It's Thursday and the weekend is around the corner, so that means it's use it or lose it time. And this week you've got the added bonus of the Aussie rugby launching. And I've got my uh, prestigious guest from New Zealand, as as always, joining me in studio. Guys, uh, I went a terrific two from two in, uh, in in Superbrew and yet I still lost ground. So unbelievably, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm having a nightmare and it's uh, yeah, it, it was a bloodbath on the betting front as well. I think you guys were were much closer than me in terms of how easily or how comfortably the guys got the job done. Uh, Steve, your uh, your thoughts on on this past weekend and and what you saw there? Uh, we saw a lot of heart from the boys. We saw a lot of passion. Uh, we seen, I think, uh, another good round of of Super Rugby Aotearoa. I mean. We've talked a lot about it in the last few weeks, haven't we, about the laws and the rules and the way they refereed and things like that. But, I mean, this this competition continues to deliver uh, in a way that uh, is rewarding to watch, isn't it? So, so it's good to watch. Um, I think the players are starting to adapt to everything as well. Uh, the result sadly didn't go the way on the uh, Saturday night as we would have liked. But, I mean, it's good competitive rugby. And I think we learned over this weekend as a whole, generally, over the two matches, is that anyone on their day, can beat anyone. And we've seen pretty much just about we could have had very easily two pretty big upsets um, over the last round. So it, it's great competition, always getting more and more fun to watch and, and enticing because it's so close and tight. It's EGSX stuff, which is great. No, definitely. I think that's been the the big surprise almost. Uh, on, on the one hand, you'd expect it, but on the other hand, it's it's been incredible how it's, it's gone down to the last minute. Uh, Paul, from your side, obviously the Blues have, have come out early as one of the leaders of the pack, yet uh, it looked a little bit of a struggle there towards the end. Uh, do you think it was just everyone's uh, underestimating the Islanders a bit or, or, or the Blues maybe not quite as, as great as we think? The Blues not as great as we think? How dare you, sir? How dare you? Um, no, damn, you, you ruined it. I was going to say, Stephen, I've got, it's, it's been so long ago, I've forgotten what happened. Stephen, please remind me what the score was on Saturday. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've had to grab my notes. Just one page for the um, for the Saturday's game. Um, look, yeah, it was lot, it was close than we thought. Um, well done to the Highlanders. I think both Highlanders and the Chiefs um, showed a lot of grit, didn't they, to stay in these games, um, which I think has been been the sort of the hallmark of these um, of these games. Is, is yeah, lots of grit and determination to stay in the games, um, which is which, which has been cool. Which means they've, they've all come down to being pretty much within a score. Uh, well, we both were this weekend, weren't they? We had that drop goal win in the first weekend. So, yeah, so look, it's been lots of tight games, lots of excitement. Um, it's all been really kind of good. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we don't have to put up with uh, any sort of boring South African rugby either. It's brilliant. Oh, there we go. Shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, straight on to Cornflake, obviously, as uh, we're pretty much done with driving more for the rest of the show. Um, from... Uh, from your side, they're just looking at the at the Crusaders. Uh, same kind of question. You know, I think everyone expected them to put the um, you know rather hapless Chiefs team away this weekend, and yet the Chiefs obviously uh, dug deep, as Paul said, and came with a bit of a fight. But was it a little bit uh, disappointing a showing from the Crusaders, or, or you think it's just the case of it's it's always going to be this type of kind of affair in, in every game? Well, I think Paul's weather from the Saturday night's expectation kind of gravitated down from Auckland uh, to Canterbury over the, over that 24-hour period, and all the weather just kind of accumulated, accumulated there. So uh, the weather had a big part to play in that game. I think both sides, for a large period of that game, didn't really adapt and play the best rugby for that kind of, those kind of conditions. I think 
well, especially the Chiefs tried to force a lot and too much, tried to play back-running rugby. Uh, the Crusaders, I think they adapted a bit quicker, but I mean, it wasn't the conditions for a seven-try rob, was it? It was, it was the conditions for nailing down, playing territory rugby, taking any sort of opportunity you can, and feeding off mistakes from your opposition, which is exactly what the Crusaders do, and that's exactly how they scored both of their tries. It was errors uh, from the Chiefs in one way or another, falling asleep for the second try. So yeah, that's his Crusaders rugby. Yeah, it, it looked a lot closer, um, but they played generally a better game. But that just shows how close this competition is. A team like the Chiefs play completely wrong sort of type of rugby. Um, They're outplayed in more ways than one, yet they still did enough to stay within that game. That a moment of brilliance from someone an X-Factor player could have completely changed their result and put it on its head. So, yeah, I think Crusaders would have learned a lot from that game, but I expect we're going to see more matches like that with the wet weather. But it was still it was still good to see that they did use the backs and tried to give some entertainment to the drenched few fans that were in the crowd. The Crusaders aren't, aren't, aren't their slick selves, are they? They've, they've, they've let the Hurricanes come back in. Sure, they scored two tries towards the end there. They've let the, the Chiefs come back in. They're not the ruthless side that we kind of think of them as being from the past three years. So I think, yeah, I think that, that's, I mean, they're still a, a damn good side, let's be honest. Um, but I just think, yeah, they're not quite, they're not clicking and as ruthless as we know they can be yet. But the thing is that game, when the pressure come on at the end, when they got within that five points or four points, whatever it was at the end, they did get that, oh, well, we're in a game. And they, they do have that ability when they need to, to to step it up. And defensively, you saw they're a lot more, um, what's the word, a lot more impactful, a lot more rushed. And they could tell they were trying to raise the pressure against their opposition. So I think maybe they're playing a little bit of it within themselves, potentially. But uh, yeah, they can certainly be a lot better. We know that. I think uh, Steve said it last week as well, where it's it's almost like they take their foot off the pedal a bit, and when they see it gets closer, they've they've still got that fifth gear. So it's it's almost like they cruising along a little bit in fourth and and only use fifth when needed. So the big question is, I, I don't think they um they're going to need fifth this weekend, but are they going to use it all? Uh, this could be uh, as as the NRL guys could say a, a get right game for the Crusaders. Are they finally going to? Uh, hit the hit the afterburners. We've seen some changes. I think Scott Robertson is a bit um, telling the guys, listen, he wants a bit of an improvement there. Some of the changes, obviously, Avili is back and um, he's decided to move Siva Rees to the bench, which is uh, quite quite interesting. So I think it's a little bit of a a little bit of a shake up from from him there. And do you see it having the required effect? Um, I was wasn't sure whether it was that whether he's just rotating and resting players now, um, and perhaps he's taking the Highland is a bit for granted um, with this uh, because you've got some. Um, Wouldn't be the first time someone did that, eh? They... <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, I mean, it's they, they, they've, they've announced the side and you say yeah, five changes in the starting lineup. Um, they're, um, they're, I mean, they're not being helped by uh, by injuries either. With um, I've gone blank. Uh, yeah, Callum Grace uh, undergoing surgery, and he, look, he, we've I mean we've been talking about him. And he's been playing fantastic, fantastically so far. Um, but yeah, he's he's, un, he's he's undergone surgery, which obviously hasn't helped. So Ethan Blackadder comes in, um, not a bad replacement. Um, Tom Christie isn't Tom Christie an ex under twenties captain, I think. So again, another um, not bad replacement um, in in the Lucys. Um, so yeah, you've got to say that that um, yeah, there, there is rotation, but look, they're bringing, they're bringing quality in as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm concerned that they're not, uh, 
that, that yeah, that they are, they are taking the foot off the throat, which they wouldn't have done previously. Um, and but um, yeah, I think he's rotating players, knowing that look, it's it's eight games in ten weekends, all of them derbies. Uh, you've got to you're going to have to rotate and give people a rest, especially as they well. In fact, for them, it's it's eight games in nine weekends, right? They only get one weekend off because they had the first weekend as their bye. Uh, so, um, so I think there's an element of that that going on. They'll be happy to see um, Quinton Strange back, who's on the bench. That's that's good to see. Um, and this Fatuli um, Pia, uh, not someone I'm aware of um, particularly. I'm a bit so a bit surprised to see him come in. Uh, but it does seem that they are that we are seeing a lot of debutants getting a go, or a lot of young players getting a go this in in, in these games, uh, which is great to see. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm. I'm I, I'm expecting this one. To, I, I, yeah, I'm expecting this one to again be close because I can't see because yeah, the, the Chiefs just aren't shutting, aren't putting games away when they should do. So I think that the Crusaders aren't putting games away when they should do. Uh, Steve, are you hopeful? Yeah, that the that the Crusaders are looking beyond you and uh, rest, resting a few guys, and and the Islanders can can do their old uh, dirty job yeah, and either make it very close or even sneak a win. Well, it's it's time to drop a, a good old age old stat that has been bandied about quite a bit by the Highlanders uh, during the build-up to this matchup. But the last time that they played at Forsyth Bar Stadium, the Highlanders won. So let's just keep <laughs> that back in the back of your mind. That was that was in 2018. I mean, that was part of, of that dynasty of the Crusaders or champion team. So, I mean, keep that in mind. It's under the roof. That's the best place to be for the Highlanders. Yeah, I mean, looking at that team, the changes they've made, and it has to give you a bit of confidence, doesn't it? I, I was disappointed to hear of the injury of Cullen Grace because like Paul said we've been talking him up for the last two weeks more and more about the impact he's having um, and how a greater player he's becoming so disappointed he's missing but also for the Highlanders sake that's pretty good but yeah just the ability in this team to make so many changes is quite astounding and I mean I, if I was the coach uh, old Robinson of the Crusaders team I just wouldn't move Will Jordan I'm surprised they've gone and put him on the wing because he is just phenomenal at the moment. I mean, put Harvili somewhere else because Will Jordan, I think, is in the form of his life and he just needs to play more rugby in, a, in that sort of place and just continue doing what he's doing because he is just outstanding for the for well, for well the Crusaders but for a future of New Zealand rugby as well. So, um, yeah, top quality throughout that team. It's a bit a bit of a shame we're not going to see Josh Uani for the rest of the season, uh, which is a bit of a downer for the Highlanders. So Mitch Hunt's going to be getting used to that number 10 jumper. And after last weekend, Michael Collins, he takes that number 15 jumper. So, um, yeah, after the shambles there was Scott Gregory last weekend, it uh, should be a little bit more safe at the back there. Um, but, uh, yeah, there won't be a pouring rain that he had to deal with. So, yeah, a bit more confident, uh, hopefully. It can repeat 2018. Never forget 27-15, the day that score was. So uh, don't forget that this weekend when you're watching the game. So, yeah, so that, only to, to, you're talking about the last game. Look, out of the last 10 meetings, the um, the Highlanders have won twice. Okay, now both of those were at home. So that's, so that's, um, so that's, that, that's good. Only uh, one matters. One, sorry? Only one matters. That's the last one. Yeah. You only one your last that match. Was, <laughs> that was six games ago. Um uh, well, five games if you, if you, because you obviously they they had that cancelled one because of the uh, Christchurch attacks last year. Um, so yeah, so the um, look, yeah, it's uh, I, I, yeah, I think that, that that one's a bit of a bit of a bit of a bit of a, bit of a, a cheeky one. I feel a bit a bit sad for Scott Gregory; he's not going to get another go um, this weekend. Um, probably a good week weekend for him to, to to actually skip actually, but I hope he gets a go against the um, Hurricanes or the Chiefs um, before the end of the season. Uh, having watched him play for the, for Northland. 
that wasn't a fair reflection of of his skill um, then. So let's hope he gets another shot um, at it. But yeah, Michael Collins, yeah, he'll, he'll be a no mistakes guy from the back, but he's not going to break things open. But uh, but then again, the two wingers in Nariki, um, uh, Puniavo, um, Kandu, uh, again, injuries really really hurting these guys because um, Sam Gilbert, who's been um, been been playing for them on that right wing, that new guy in there, big guy, um, has gone to his knee and he's out for the season now. Um, so it's uh, yeah, injuries taking their toll uh, on on the Highlanders. Unfortunately, still no name on the scudder either. Um, Want to get so. Um, as, as, as as well, uh, but I think yeah, he, he's he's going to be a Dan Carter character, isn't he? Has more impact off the off the field than he does on the field um, for this uh, for, for this one, I think, for this crowd. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I think the I think the Highlanders are going to going to going to push the cra- push the Crusaders all the way um, in this one. I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. At the moment, uh, Molnar Scudder is having a very big impact on on Instagram, and and that's about it. I think. Um, the the big thing there is, as you guys said, it's just amazing though that the Crusaders have, have made these changes. But if you look at it, it's all it's probably the best tight five that they're putting out onto the field there. So that's uh, not great news. And Mitchell Drummond just coming in for a start that makes almost zero difference. Probably gives him a little bit more energy. And and the big thing for me, I think some of those outside backs like uh, Lester Fangenhaku getting a go. I mean, he's going to be chomping at the bit to really show something. And when you're in a squad behind. Um, Behind the guys that is all blacks, obviously uh, with Bridge and and Sivuris, you know you're not going to get a heck of a lot of chance to to show what you can do, and you really got to put your you know not just your foot in there, but but knock the door down. So expect something big, and obviously uh, I agree with um, Steve there as well. It's strange seeing uh, Will Jordan move to the wing because I mean I think he was absolutely superb, but it's probably a case of he can uh, can still play wing and maybe even outside centre where I really. And I'd probably only play him at 10 and he, he wasn't great at 10. So it, it's only really 15 for him. So I still think he's, you know, solid, solid enough. But uh, on that front, that poor, poor Gregory Bugger, cheapest man, he got the shepherd's hook after that performance. It, it was, it was, it was nasty. But yeah, under the roof, uh, I think uh, I'm probably going to say this every week, but I expect the Crusaders to, um, to come right sometime there. Yeah, I'm sorry, Cornflake, but uh, I think uh, things could get a bit, a bit flaky for you guys. Uh, moving, moving on to actually just, just, just one, one, one point before we go on. David Havili, um, how many countries in the world would have him as their starting fullback, and he can't even get to the start of the Crusaders? I mean, seriously, he's he's the second best fullback for the Crusaders, and yet I think um, what yeah most countries, well, I think every country in the world would have him in their sort of in their extended squad at the very least, um, if not uh, if not in a match day twenty three. I mean, he's a cracking player, um, really. Yeah, really sad he doesn't get more opportunities um, at that level. Well, I mean, honestly, we'll we'll talk about it just just now when we move on to the Australian one. But you look at the the Australian teams coming out, and you look at some of the depth those guys have at the back, and exactly all across the park, and and exactly what you're saying now there, Paul, is you know there's just a golfing class, and you can understand where the two uh, teams and the two nations are in their position in in world rugby at the moment. Just, just on that. I mean, having these guys on the bench and these guys struggling for positions, and and then you get some guys there for um, the Reds and the Waratahs, where you think you've pretty much got no clue where they come came from. Anyway, let's uh, let's quickly finish off the last New Zealand game before we uh, move move across the Tasman there. Um, 
I know Javi Mall, you wanna you wanna take us off first for for this one? You expecting the Chiefs showed some some life there last week. Was it just a, a dead cat bounce or are the Chiefs back in, in running and uh capable of taking the canes? Oh, that's one. This is this, 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 this is you wouldn't spoon decide already, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Um, look, there's no finals in this competition, so you've got to finish top of the ladder. Uh, with both of these guys having lost to opening two opening games, um, what first three for the, the Chiefs and two for the Hurricanes. Look, yeah, it's already a wooden spoon game. Um, so yeah, whatever. Basically, uh, let's just enjoy enjoy the game for what it is. But don't yeah, don't think much more. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not going to bear, bear any relevance to the actual overall standings, um, really. Um, do I think the, Chris, the, 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 the Chiefs are back? Um, no, not yet, to be honest with you. Um, look, I mean, they, they're very angry from the weekend because they fell asleep and were talking to the referee at the wrong time. Uh, it shows you a lack of leadership in that team um, for, that, for, the, for, that, for that quick line-out try. Um, you, yeah, so, no, I, that's, uh, yes, they put in a, decent, a, a more fighting performance, um, but I think we're going to see two out of four teams, both showing a lot of grit, battling to the end, um, but at the end of the day, yeah, two out of form teams playing each other, unfortunately. Steve, are we going to see uh, one completed lineout in that game? <laughs> <laughs> see, that's a bit grim, isn't it? I mean, I've got on my notes for this game, not talking about the lineout or the second row. So I'm going to pass on that question because I feel like when we talk about the Chiefs, that's all we talk about is the lineout and the second row. I should have yeah. put hospital boards on there as well because we seem to talk about that every single time. Mm. Uh, we talk about the Chiefs. So I think hopefully we'll say that. We'll be diplomatic, shall we? I mean, the thing I'm looking forward to in this game is number 10s. I think that's where this game's going to be won and lost, is the number 10's ability to direct the team, take kicks, and kick territorially. Uh, that's going to be a big thing to me, and I think this is a big ask. Um, well, especially, I think, for for the Hurricanes, if they're going to have Garden Bashit running things um, from that number 10 jumper yet again. If they go off Cruden for the Chiefs, that is a bit of a mismatch, you've got to say, between experience and capabilities and what you'd call um, from from Cruden as opposed to Garden Bashit. But that could be an area I think this game is really going to be um, marked up on. So I expect a huge performance from Cruden if he does start there. Will they start? No, that's the thing. We haven't even seen this team yet. And will they change things? Do they keep it the same? That's a big, big question. So, yeah, a lot to go on for this. I think, like Paul says, it's a bit of a oh, – it's, it's sort of a dead rubber, but no one wants to finish last. Everyone will want to finish fourth if they can, if not try to challenge our Highlanders for that third spot that they'll be taking uh, hopefully um, later on in the season. So big match. Chiefs point of view, I wanted to say I need to see more smarts out of one Damien McKenzie. So we, we tore into him a little bit on Paul's show at the end of the review at the start of the week. Uh, just unimpactful, sideways runner, not smart with his decision-making or where he wants to go. And if I'm going to look at anything and, and pinpoint what I'm going to watch mostly in this game is going to be where he's going, what he's doing, because he's not going to be in the frame for much more later on in this season, if there is a later on in this season or next season, whether the black jersey comes back out. How does he come in? Look what he's up against now. If he's going to play fullback, Will Jordan is just killing it. He's the name and everyone. It's McKenzie's guy not even showing up. So there's a few key things to look out for here. Um, that number 10 battle and tracking around McKenzie, if, if, Anyone in New Zealand's got Sky, maybe vote for him so you can watch him on the player tracker and just see what he's up to because he needs to improve. I'll, uh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, talking a lot now, Samasoni came on the pitch last weekend um, and the, he comes on and it's straight into a line out. He throws the ball in and no one jumps. You're like, yeah, okay, this is just a, 
it's just become a farce. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's luckily, shit for those for the for the Chiefs. Um, but I think yeah, Cornflakes hit it on the head there. Is that we're going to? I mean, we talked about TJ Perinari before, haven't we? Um, about him being overloaded with the with the captaincy, um, upsetting referees. Hopefully, he's had a week to calm down. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a lot on a lot on of it uh, on, on Garden Bashup making the right decisions. And yeah, he's 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 up against a guy who is just going to put the Chiefs in the right part of the pitch the whole time. And the question is, can the Hurricanes get them out, get themselves out of their own half? Well, that's I think that's going to be one of the big, the big, the big differences between these two teams. I think the big thing that was good for the Chiefs was Cruden really stepped up last week. To me, it was a little bit of a, a step up from him, and hopefully, if if he can keep it going, uh, I mean, as you guys said, I think he's pretty much hands down capable of teaching Garden Bashup a lesson. And then the other thing is the two nines is going to be pretty good as well. I think both TJ and Brad Weber probably had the leadership uh, stress a little bit and struggling team so at the end they probably try and do a little bit too much where everyone can you know know the x factor that those guys can bring when they just uh, let off the leash so i mean except for skew lineouts and and stuffing up the lineouts i think we could see a lot of spark and a lot of chat from the nines as well i think that's a that's a given for this weekend yeah they just lost on different to the um other weekends when they play they're not going to get dominated up front either side because both front fives aren't particularly yeah. strong, so it'll be more even there. So, they, so it's not like they, the 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 scrum halves going to have to be playing on the back on the back foot, which we've seen Weber struggle with. You, you saw exactly yeah. what I was going to say there, Paul. I was going to say the pack's going to um, cancel each other out. I reckon with how bad they're going to be. I think if you want to look at an improver uh, and uh, an area where this game could be broken up, it's the Hurricanes midfield. If you want to look to their side of things. Maybe if Gun Basher can just catch and pass, uh, leave Laomape to, to do a bit of damage. And I mean, up against him, Anton Leonard Brown, we're picking on Chiefs players, but I, I, I like the guy. I, I love the guy. He's one of, I think, informed the best number 12s or midfielders even in, in New Zealand. But he's so terribly out of form. So terribly poorly out of form. Uh, Paul's shaking his head, but I mean, he's a, he's a Conrad Smith sort of like player. Hard to tackle, hard to bring down. And... Yeah, just one of those really kind of you look at him and go, oh, he's not going to be much trouble. But when he's on, he, he is just very, very elusive. And I think they've missed him uh, in the midfield and they could be up in, tr- in trouble against that Canes midfield because they look pretty good. Well, okay, no, pretty good's bad. They looked a lot better two weeks ago than they did in the opening round. So they were improving and they could cause trouble. So a few areas, I think, but it's not going to be in the in the fours that this game's won or lost. Yeah, Anthony Brown's a 13 out of 12. That's a problem. They're playing two 13s. Getting it, like you say, he's yeah. that Conrad Smith guy. He's that thirteen yeah. guy. Um, he's not. It's kind yeah. of the same thing now, isn't it? You play, they play, they swap him around like like it's the same job, but it's it's not. It's not, and it, yeah, you say at thirteen, he is he is the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, at twelve, he's not, unfortunately. I actually think a lot of the the problems came in there is the All Blacks kind of enjoy the fact that he can be twelve and thirteen, and I think that's that's meddled him up a little bit. They they like having him on the bench as the bench guy who can come on and and play both sides. And and as you guys said, uh, I think to me he's almost trying a little bit too much at twelve, where thirteen it's a little bit of an easier game for him to you know just just attack the space. Because lastly on Damien McKenzie, we've got a, a theme park in in Cape Town which uh, doesn't do too well. They only open up in holidays, and one of the one of my mates on Twitter was like, Damien McKenzie is like like the theme park. Hell of exciting, but running at a loss. So it's uh, yeah. it's it's not fantastic for him. He needs to he needs to step it up 100% agree. Listen, guys, now on to our favorite topic. I know I know you love them. It's it's your neighbors are 
are rolling things out, Joe. It's taken them four weeks to to copy you guys. Um, Steve, maybe just just a quick uh, summary. I know, I know you've written a nice piece there on on what we can expect in terms of the rule uh, rules. I know, unlike you guys, they haven't just uh, adapted. Basically, they've uh, gone gone next door to the NRL lads and said, "Listen, give us some ideas to spice things up." So maybe just give us a few of the the top things to look out for there. Oh, the rule changes come into a category of um, two or three little things, really. So uh, it's uh, copying Super Rugby. I'll tell you, oh, they've, they've got the uh, the red card rule, so people can be replaced if they get a red card after 20 minutes. Uh, and they've also got the extra time or the super time, they call it, make it all flash and exciting um, in so, Australia. The slight difference, though. Their, ours is 10 minutes. Theirs is five minutes either way. It's golden. It's golden point. It's, yeah. it's the same as Golden Point in the NRL, which is 5-5 five, five and first point, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the rest of this is pretty much kicking-orientated. Um, so the one that's not, an attacking player carries ball into the end goal or knocks the ball on in the end goal plays. We started with a goal line dropout. So we say hello, NRL rules, yet again. Um, and what else we got? If a, kick, a, a kick enters the end goal area and is forced by the defending team. There's also a, a goal line dropout. And then they've got the ones oh, that we all would love to see, the 22-50 and the 50-22. Now, if you've watched any league or NRA, you know what that is. If you kick it from inside your own 50, bounces in and in the field of play and then goes out in the opponent's 22, you get the line out throw. And the other way around, if you kick it from inside your own 22, goes into the opponent's 50 metres and bounces into touch. You get the line out there as well. So that's a pretty much a copycat of uh, the old school sort of 4020s of uh, league rules. And then they've also got the uh, mark rule. So if you thump a big kick um, from pretty much 22 to 22, um, and you can't take a mark effectively. So you've got to go pretty much straight onto it from there. So mainly kicking rules and mainly a bit of copy, but a lot of NRL sort of action looking like it's going to come the way of Super Rugby AU, if that's what they're going to call it. But and one thing to bear in mind, they're not playing this weekend, but the force um, have been playing global rapid rugby rules. And that's um, 50, 50, 22 rule is a rule in global rapid rugby. So they've played under some of these rules already, whereas the other teams haven't, which is going to be interesting to see. Thanks, Paul. That's that's a nice, uh, nice little bit of insight there. To me, uh, one of the interesting ones, though, is that where you, uh, you know, have a go at the line and you're held up and then all of a sudden it's it's not going to be the five five meter scrum. So, I mean, it, it makes it almost a, a lot more of a risky play having that drive for the line. And and I mean, you're going to see TMO decisions being being pretty crucial and maybe even the, the on-field referee saying, you know, no, try, give me a reason and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden it's held up and you're kicking away from your line. So that's pretty big, and even uh, kicking, kicking dead or kicking in goal, and then being dotted down and going for you know goal line dropout instead of a twenty-two. That also gives you a little bit more attacking space. So in general, to me, uh, which is kind of strange when you think about attacking rugby, it's going to be more about tactical kicking. So that's uh, that's that's very interesting. I know the whole idea behind these rules is for an extra player to drop out and and to cover the kick to not uh, give away that position and that in turn creates the space. But whether that really uh, materializes is going to be um, something something completely completely different. Paul, do you see a big impact in terms of these rules? And if so, do you think, as uh, you've, you've mentioned that they're the force, but is there a particular team that strikes you that, that could benefit from from this type of law? Well, yeah, I mean, you've obviously cleared the force because they've, they've actually played it. The other ones, it's going to be interesting. Um, you think that, the, that it's, it's going to reinforce the team's that have got good coaching, i.e. the Brumbies, 
Um, and it's going to penalise the teams with bad coaching. Uh, yes, Reds, we're looking at you. Um, so the um, so yeah, so it's uh, that's I think yeah, the, the more yeah, the, the, the more cohesive or the more um, sort of mature or, or, or settled kind of teams will sh- sh- should come out this early. But yeah, it's going to come down to I mean, and the other thing also is perhaps this is a big a good one for the Rebels um, because look, Matsumura, uh, experienced head at ten, whereas you're looking at um, the the Brumbies, um, the Waratahs got very inexperienced tens. So will will that could will that cause a problem for them? You've got um, and James O'Connor not really a ten as far as I'm concerned normally. So again, tactical kicking not his big 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 strength there for the Reds. So maybe it will be actually be be the Rebels that come out on top with that because they've got Matt Tamura in there with more experience. Um, we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's really hard this first weekend or the first um, to have a gauge for any of these teams. To be honest, they've been under lockdown for so long. They've all lost players, um, or they seem to have lost players to Europe already. Uh, so you, you're kind of wondering what, who knows what's going to happen this first weekend. It's all a, it's all a bit of a bit of a lottery, I think. Paul, uh, Paul mentioned it there. I was actually uh, looking at this, and I thought the the nine ten those are probably going to be the guys who are going to be important. Yeah, and I thought, okay, James O'Connor is one of the more experienced lads, even though he's probably not an out and out ten. But somehow I just don't see O'Connor as the guy who's been spending the last two months reading up on laws and thinking about strategy. So um, I'm not I'm not exactly convinced. Uh, Cornflake, your thoughts on on how teams will adapt to the new rules? Well, you'd hope they've been practicing and training it, wouldn't you? They've had a long time to do it, and they should be well and truly prepared. Um, I'm not sold on on Matt Tamour. I see Paul's quite up on Matt Tamour getting the experience here, but he he's not a ten either. For mine, he, he's not a 10. He's certainly an inside centre. He's great at 12, uh, but just looks uh, a bit lost. I mean, he's running at 10. It's like he needs someone else to, to guide his ship, and he's the, the perfect, you know, side man to, to that ship's captain. He just doesn't quite have that fully confidence, it seems, in, in what he's going to do, that that's the right decisions to make. So I, I like him more as a, a standoff sort of guy to support on and behind. But, yeah, these teams... I think, yeah, like Paul says, a lot, a lot has changed, but I think we're going to see fairly similar sort of things. What I'm most interested to see is um, what the force can do. Sadly, we're not going to see them this weekend, but I think that's going to be interesting how they do come into this competition. And it's cool how they've kind of signed up these old force players. Like Kyle Goldwyn's gone back to them as well. So it's kind of, you know, bringing back the old band, as it were, and, and kind of saying, you missed the chance to stick it to Australian rugby the first time. Let's do it now and see if they can actually do it. So, that's going to be really, really cool to see if they can actually step it up. But I think for mine, um, there's one team that looks or should look quite a lot better than the rest. And there's going to be quite a few struggles uh, through the rest of them. Just, I mean, like you said at the start, all this inexperience is just flowing on out um, in these teams that they've named. But the contrast to that is that this is the time to do it because you're not going to get grilled by the media saying, oh, Reds were smashed by 80 points against the, the Crusaders or things like that. It, it is Australia on Australia, so media will still attack the weak and they're losing, but you're only losing to another Australian team. So they can still look at the positive that is Australian team won as well. So it's all going to be doom and gloom um, for the Australian media against you know Australians or South Africans and that sort of thing, which they always do bring up that haven't won in New Zealand since you know 1926 and things like that. So there's a lot they've got to, to positive look for. Now's the time to actually breed those guys and bring them through, give them some experience and see what they're made of. 
when you're probably not going to get beat up so much about it. There's also um, a thing here is that the force are the only team that actually got paid properly and, ha- and aren't arguing over money, right? All the other, that's because Twiggy mm. is very, very rich and has said, right, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteeing all your contracts. No worries, boys. Whereas, um, I mean, the, the, the Rebels were talking about not even getting on the airplane and flying to, 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 to Canberra for their game. Um, also, next weekend, they know they're not going home. They're having to shift up um, uh, off to somewhere else to play next weekend because of coronavirus issues in Melbourne. So uh, there's there's an awful lot of disruption behind the scenes. You don't know which which of the um, the Rebel, the uh, the Reds lost three players because they wouldn't take pay cuts. Which of these which of these squads um, are basically fractured um, and in a mess, and which of these squads have managed managed to hold it together? That we really, it's all guesswork at the moment, looking from the outside, um, which I think is going to be the, which I think is the biggest thing here, rather than necessarily the laws or any of this kind of things. Just which, who, who has taken the pay cut well, who hasn't, who, um, uh, it's, it's going to be a big thing. But to me, I mean, the big thing is uh, I mentioned it earlier is just the the difference in depth. And I've got the Brumbies team open. If you, you know, look at at the spine if you want, or even just your tactical kickers. Uh, Mac Anson is the fullback, and Noah Lelia So Co is is the fly off. I mean, it's it's for Brumbies team that's expected to be the team to beat. I don't know how great how great that is. As we said uh, on the Reds, we've got James O'Connor. Um, not even sure at the moment who's who's at fullback for them. Uh, the Reds, is, Reds have got Bryce, Bryce Higgerty at, at fullback again. Okay, decent, decent player, exciting, but they're you know, not really going to tactically dominate. The Waratahs have got a winger with Jack Maddox playing playing at fullback, and Will Harrison, a youngster, at ten, and Mitch Short at nine. So I don't know. To me, it, it's just it's, it's strange looking at these teams and and not seeing your Lefanos and and your. Um, Foley's, Bernard Foley's, regardless of, you know, the limitations they had as players. But just looking at these guys, you think to yourself, you don't know who's the who's the Wallaby number 10 there. And maybe actually the, the Rebels, as you guys said, having Matt Tamua, I know um, Steve probably not, not rating him the best as 10. I still think he's a decent tactical player. And having Dale Alipetti at fullback, again, you know, he's, he's probably not going to set the world alight, but he's a solid, a solid 15. So to me... It's almost the case of the Brumbies forwards and and the Rebels backs. You know, having those uh, three three Wallabies there in the in the front row for the for the Brumbies are going to be crucial. And then, yeah, obviously Bill Meeks and and those kind of guys, Brad Hodge for for the Rebels. You can see why they're the the favourites there. Uh, but uh, and by the way, you talked about the coaching, but isn't uh, Brad Thorne the guy who also had a little bit of time in league? So hopefully he can he can take uh, take some more of that knowledge. Okay, yeah, let's get. Famously, doesn't deal well with anybody who doesn't, who, who, who is, who, who, it's his way or the highway, isn't it? Let's be honest. And there's been there's been quite a few players thrown out thrown out on the highway um, along the way there. So, but um, if you want to get into the teams, I mean that, that Rebels one, which we started the, the well because it's the Reds, um, Reds Royals on Friday. Friday. That Reds one's interesting because they've got um, James O'Connor, and you mentioned Bryce Hegarty. They've also got Hamish Stewart at twelve, who's also a, a sort of a 10, 15. So they got. Three tactical kickers there, um, or, th- or three three fly halves basically. Uh, so you got to actually in in a kicking duel, they should um, have it where it's needed. The problem is 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 up front um, is having lost um, uh, was it not Rodder um, or oh yeah it was Rodder um, yeah, Rodder yeah uh, and and uh, so um, and again you look at the bench and go ooh yeah okay um, 
there's a lot of there's not many names that you know and with with two guys making their debut um on there yeah i mean there's jp smith um Maffey. so they got some good they got some front row replacements but apart from that you're looking at bench you're going oh let's hope we're up on at 60 minutes otherwise um we're in trouble um they've got some they've got some south african power in there some south african beef so it's all good whereas you look at then you then go over to the um to the tars and uh yeah will harrison yeah he's, he's a young guy but I, I i was impressed with will harrison um prior to this uh um I uh, thought, thought he was doing pretty well, and I'm, and I'm glad they've stuck with him. Um, Marky Mark, the guy with that really long name um, on the wing, it's good to see him back from injury um, as well. And actually, have a go uh, there, have a go at the name. Nawa Kwani Tasawazi, something along those lines. I'm sorry, folks, but look, it's the um, yeah, I, I just can't. Um, the uh, but you, yeah, look, you've this is the 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 the, the, the Tars aside that look they've, they've got the names they've got Rob Simmons they've got Hannigan um, they've got Hooper um, they've got they've got Wallabies in that pack um, they've got uh, you say Jack Maddox uh, Alex Newsom has been in a, in a while they've got Jack Dempsey and people to come off the bench um, they they, sh they they they're much more the experienced side against the Reds very young side uh, but the problem for the for the Tars is they just be they're so often they look like less than some of the parts. No, definitely this. But I mean, even even in in past times when when the Waratahs have had uh, Foley's and Beals and Falaus, it's it's almost been a case of what what happens off field or in their heads and emotionally. They you know it's it's a case of whether the Waratahs pitch up or or not. I mean, it's pretty much the same team and Kepu and those kind of guys who would. We would go to the final and the same team would finish last in in Super Rugby. It's, it's you know they they one of those they almost the uh, <coughs> sorry Jamie all the the blues of uh, of Australian rugby there. You never really know why they can't uh, produce it produce it on the pitch. Listen, guys, just quickly let's do predictions for the two Aussie games and then we'll go back to the to the New Zealand ones. You can add a a, a sentence or whatever comment with regard to the two, uh, games as well. Reds, Reds, Waratahs. What do you expect? Go I've gone task by three because of that experience, because I th I'm not sure what's, uh, yeah, with, with the disunity of the Reds with the players leaving, uh, I'm not sure where the heads are going to be at. Oh, good stuff. I like that. Um, I'm going completely opposite on that one because the Reds play a forward game. They play a, a, a hard game, don't they? I think you, you talk about off the bench, that forward pack is going to be not strengthened, but I think off the bench they are stronger in the pack than the Waratahs, and the Waratahs are just headless chickens. Just just run them around, put put their tops up over their head, and they'll play just as well like that because they just have no direction whatsoever, and nothing's going to change at all. I'm going Reds by two. There we go, and uh, Tanya Latupo, uh, Tong and Thor there to, to get us get us a try, I'm sure. Uh, on to Brumbies, Brumbies, Rebels, Cornflake. Oh, well, this is the team I was talking about as... I expect to be head and shoulders above the rest as the Brumbies. Um, they should just dominate games like they did um, before the stoppage of the season. So I'm expecting them to carry that on. Uh, the Rebels are just, they are probably the blues of um, Super Rugby, to be fair. Just disappointment. I mean, how many times have we said the Rebels this time they've got these seasons sorted? I'm, I'm past giving the Rebels another chance and I'm Brumbies by 11. Need to write this down so I can make it picks. Yep. Wow. Down to the Rebels. 
Um, yeah, the, the Brumbies. Yeah, it's their tournament. To, it's their tournament to lose. Let's be blunt. Um, they're the best coached team. Uh, Loliaseo, as you say, is young, inexperienced, but he was playing well uh, prior to this. Um, they'll miss Banks and the experience he brings at 15, um, who's injured at the moment, uh, but hopefully he'll come back. Uh, the Rebels also, the fact that they've had to pack two sets of clothes because they're going, they're spending the next week up on um, the Gold Coast or somewhere silly. I've got no idea where they're going in, to be honest with you, um, but they're going to play somewhere else. Um, they're not going home, uh, all that uncertainty and stuff. So, yeah, I've gone uh, Brumbies by five. Okay, I just uh, in terms of uh, what we've heard from from the betting guys at the moment, there's been loads of money for the Reds on the minus. In case you you wondering, it's moved out from minus three and minus four to I think it's about minus eight and a half at the moment. So everybody's uh, everybody and his dogs on 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 the Reds there, which is always uh, dangerous as soon as you put a lot of funds on an Aussie team. And uh, then on the Brumbies uh, Brumbies game. Yeah, everyone's uh, it's it's Brumbies are tournament favourites, so you'd probably expect them to get the job done. Personally, I'm on the Australian games. It's that one to ten or one to twelve margin for the home team that I'm pretty much going to be banking on throughout and expecting a little bit of the same as the New Zealand ones, where it's going to be tightly fought, except probably not at the same same standard. Uh, on to the New Zealand predictions, there, guys. Um, first game, Crusaders. I guess just quickly on that one, I, I expect that that's. Um, that game between the um, the Brumbies and Rebels will actually be the final of this competition. Anyway, I think, I think we'll get with we'll uh, Yeah, they're, they're, they're the top two teams by a country mile. Um, the Highlanders Crusaders, yeah, definitely Crusaders. Um, but I'm only I'm going by only three because I say most that uh, they let they let teams come back into it. So I'll probably take a bit of a lead. Highlanders will come back into it, and it'll be a uh, uh, just uh, a win by a score. I think we might as we might as well skip Steve there. It's going to be pretty much the same. I think he's going to say let's let he's going to say Hart is wanting to say Islanders. The mind says Crusaders. He's going to give a narrow win to the Crusaders. He <laughs> pretty much nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I I do these predictions earlier in the week before I see the teams, and it's like you see the teams. Sometimes you think, yep, nailed it. Not trying to change that. Other times you look at the teams that go, oh, you like like you look at that Crusaders team and go, I think they've weakened it. A touch and you know that gives confidence to the team they're up against as well and the Highlanders are a team you don't want to give confidence to because they don't lack any of that as they are so it's tough but I'm going to stick with my original pick which was the Crusaders by five okay there we go um let's go straight on to the Chiefs, Chiefs Hurricanes I know you guys have probably got a little bit less excitement in this one uh which way are you going to go uh Chiefs by five Really? So, oh, yeah. That's quite interesting. The um, uh, yeah, really. I, I, I yeah, just uh, as you say, I just think that um, that we're going to see Cruden just pin, pin, pin the pin the pin the Hurricanes back into their own half, uh, and ask them to run it out. Uh, and um, I just don't think they'll do it. Put bluntly. Sweet, that's quite good. We're really crashing on opposite paths here. We got the <laughs> Hurricanes on this side of things. Yep, I give you that. The team battle is all yours, but I think the crashing through the guts is going to be exactly what the Hurricanes need. More X Factor in that midfield area, especially, is where I think they're going to really nail it. Um, and just that's my hunch. Really, Hurricanes by four. They're going to get the job done. Okay, uh, from my point of view, I'm going uh, Crusaders. Crusaders by 14 under the roof. They're going to put on an exhibition there in the second half. And. Uh... <laughs> In the Chiefs one, it's it's flip a coin. I think I'm going to see exactly the same kind of game that we've seen. It's going to be one of the teams pushing for a try right at the end, and it's just going to be a 
a case of whether they get it or not. So it's it's going to be home side there, Chiefs, Chiefs by two. And uh, yeah, don't don't put any money on a driving mall try in that game because they first have to catch the line out to be able to get over for one. So <laughs> that's uh, that's where we're leaving it. Cheers, James. Uh, thanks for joining me again. And yeah, hopefully we can. Hopefully next week I can finally tell you guys I got one spot on. But look again, um, we, we, it's it's going to be a wet game on Sunday. So look, I've got my I've got. Oh, it's okay. What what, what electric, now? Is, electric it, is this going to be wet or not? Yeah. The look at the moment. It's look. It's at the moment. The, the weather forecast is seventy six percent chance of rain at kickoff. So there you go. It's going to be wet. I can tell you one thing. It'll be wet in Dunedin, but it won't matter. And that's it the only thing that matters. Yeah, <laughs> it helps. <laughs> it will. Perfect. Well, I think as a, as a default position, the chances are usually quite good that Hamilton's going to be slightly wet. I, I mean, that, that'll that probably be like my, my default call for Hamilton. Somehow it just always seems to be a bit uh, wet. We've, we've, been, we've been dry kind of all week and then it's just raining on Sunday. So, so... <laughs> anyway, here's what it is. Okay. Cheers, James. Thanks for joining me. Eh? Thank you.